Hallmark Christmas, and uh, we've shown you some videos, but you don't get one this morning. Um, sorry, we didn't, couldn't figure out how to work it. We need Aaron. He'll be back soon, I hope. <laughs> Uh, we are, basically, we, the first week we, uh, Aaron, I believe, preached the first one about um, a perfect setting, and then we, uh, last week, looked at the perfect couple, and today we, we were going to show you a scene of the wrong guy from the movie, and every one of these movies have the wrong guy, or at least the right guy, right? And so they, um, the, the scene I was going to show you is this couple, uh, were in a small town where she was from, and she, uh, he, she was back home experiencing Christmas with her family in her small town. Her boyfriend from the big city where they had lived came to, to get her on a helicopter. And she was like, okay. Um, and so he's there for the week. And then she discovers that she wants to stay there and doesn't want to go back to the big city. Yes. And so, <laughs> see, I get to, it's not so sappy when I say it to you. Last week, it was just watching that. It was really sappy, wasn't it? <laughs> And then right after the scene, this is where I got really sad, because right after the scene, he turns and walks away. It's really dramatic. And then she turns and walks the other way and walks in, and there's a card on the Christmas tree that the right guy put up for her. And it's a note of how wonderful she is. And so these movies, you have, you have the wrong guy, you have the right guy. But I'd like to just, as we, you think about this, a lot of times the wrong guy. You know, basically, you know, it's the wrong town in this thing, the wrong timing, possibly... Uh, not the right situation. Uh, you want different things. Sometimes you're not good for each other. Sometimes one person's really selfish. There's all kinds of reasons why, why people split up. And so as we, I don't know why people like Hallmark movies. Maybe because it's a perfect, it always ends well, right? We just want this little fairy tale world where it's like, let's just let it end right. Um, and you got the other people like, I want a different ending. But in life, we like perfect endings, don't we, in our own lives? We want them to be nice and, and, and poxed up and nice. And so that's what I think Hallmark brings to people. But in this thing, when we talk about the wrong guy, as we look at life, I'd like the wrong guy, maybe not so much to be, you know, because not everybody, it could be the wrong girl, it could be the wrong guy, or maybe just possibly a situation where it's anything that takes your eyes off the right thing. The wrong guy just situate, taking your eyes off the right thing. And this today, my daughter, that was my daughter, um, they asked how they could help. And I'm like, all right, you guys can start reading scripture from the stage. Um, and so she got up, and thank you, Brea. That was Matthew 12, 1 through 2. And basically it's the story of the wise men. The wise men, they were coming, they followed a star. And the thing about the wise men is that they were, um, they were pagans. They weren't, real, they weren't Jewish. They weren't Christian. They were from Babylonian Persia. They were possibly wealthy people. Um, the only reason we know that is because they brought some pretty cool gifts to Jesus. And the other thing that possibly is when they come to town, they're talking to King Herod. They're in conversation with the king. of, And so when they get to town, they're like, hey, this baby um, that's going to be the king of the Jews, have you seen him? Where's he at? And Herod kind of gets weirded out. Herod becomes troubled and like, king of the Jews? I'm the king. There's nobody else being king. And if you know the story of Herod, you study Herod. He is a guy that had killed his own wives and children because they have questioned his authority. And so he wasn't a real nice guy necessarily. Um, and he became troubled that they were, there was this king going to be coming, going to be king of the Jews. And so he's thinking and he gets his people together. He gets the scribes, the scripture says. And he also got the chief priest together and said, okay, 
What's this thing about the king of the Jews? And, you know, Herod was a Jew. He was half Jew, at least. And he was kind of followed Judaism. And so at the end of the day, you think he would know about this if he studied anything. But he went to them and they said, oh, yeah. And they quote to him Micah 5.2, which basically talks about Jesus coming and coming from where he's coming from. And so Herod is like, huh. And so apprehends the, the wise people and he gets them alone. And he says, hey, you know, when you find that guy, you find the king, come let me know because I want to go worship him too. And so it's, the scripture says that they sent him on his way. And so the, the wise men, also known as the Magi, they, they go and uh, they see, follow the star. They come upon the house and the, Mary, they enter the house. And it says they became um, excited. They became exceedingly joyful when they got close. And then when they entered the house and saw the baby and saw Mary, it says they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. And it says they, got, they had gifts for him. They brought treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then it goes on to say that they, you know, basically, I don't know, they must have went to sleep because it says they had a dream. And the dream told them not to go back to Herod, the wrong guy, because they had already found the right guy. You know, you think about this for a second, and you think about Jesus at that particular time, because it says they're in a house, you know, is this two-week old baby Jesus, two-day old baby Jesus? You know, if you think about that, the story goes, I know by in my nativity scene at my house, I have the wise men right there in the main, by the manger, but really, you know, the story goes, you should put them way far away, because they traveled hundreds of miles to get there. And then in the story goes, they went into a house, so it wasn't the same day, a lot of scholars believe it was two years that before that the wise men got to Jesus. And so you think about that for a second, because if you think about baby Jesus, baby Jesus is cute. He, he's nice. He's, he doesn't say anything. But you think about, that kind of messes with you a little bit, if you think about a two-year-old baby Jesus. Anybody have a two-year-old? <laughs> Anybody ever had a two-year-old? Because <laughs> I can tell you I have. And when I used to watch parents, parent, like we would be, Natalie and I would be in restaurants, I'm like, oh my gosh, they are horrible parents. I will never be like them. I will, I will, oh, they will not scream. They will not cry in restaurants. They will eat their food and not throw their spoons. <laughs> and then I had a two-year-old, and they're crazy. <laughs> and you think about that for a second, Jesus being two. I heard a comedian talk about two-year-olds that says they're like crackheads. He was like, because, you know, if you look at them, they're weird looking, and they, they got food all over themselves. They look like they're drunk all the time. <laughs> and they lie to you. You can look at, at two-year-old in the face and say, you got to go poo-poo. No. <laughs> and as they're grinting in their face and they're... They, 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 they're, they're terrible people, too. <laughs> and we don't tell the story like that, do you? You tell you it's baby Jesus, not toddler Jesus. And so you have this, this baby Jesus, two years old, and it says that they're kneeling down before him. You know, there's not a lot of kneeling that goes on in our culture. And so I think when we read kneeling and we hear, it's like, okay. The translation I use said fall down. Some translations say kneel down. Some say they fell down flat. But basically, it was just a thing of honor. 
and they fell down and they were honoring him. Psalms, the psalmist in uh, Psalms 95, 6 and 7 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And the word worship in, in the Hebrew is shakah. And I first heard that word, I, I'm from the 80s, so I think of Shaka Khan, but Shaka. And it's used like about 170 times in Scripture, in the Old Testament. And it means to basically to kneel and to worship. And I think one of the issues that we have as people, and I think one reason that we don't kneel down more is because we don't understand and comprehend the holiness of God. We struggle to comprehend how holy he is, and so therefore we treat him like a mortal man. And I understand Jesus came to earth, but you read through the Old Testament and you look, follow Moses, and when Moses, when he came into contact with God, he couldn't, he had to cover his face. He had to cover him so he couldn't see because the scripture said he would die. You look at the Old Testament and you look at the temples, and they, inside the temples they had the Holy of Holies. And the priest, high priest would go in, sometimes once a year, be able to go in. And they had, the priests had to cover their face, and they didn't do everything just right in the Holy of Holies. They would die. There's stories where they would tie ropes around the high priest's leg so that if, something, if they died and they heard a thump, they, they would pull them out so they wouldn't go and have to go in after them. But you start to understand, you begin to understand in the Old Testament that people couldn't come into contact. God is holy. And I think as we think about this baby Jesus, and we see him in human form, you see these pagan people from Babylon and Persia come following a star. And I, I, I sometimes we trip out on God because he's like, he didn't use his Pharisees, he didn't use his teachers, he used different people. <laughs> he used a 15-year-old, a virgin 15-year-old. He uses these people, these wise men coming from afar, and they fall down and they worship him. And I think as we think about Jesus during this time of the year, I, I want us to step back and think for a second about this Jesus because this time gets so convoluted with all the hustle and bustle and everything that we got going that all of a sudden we forget what this is all about. You know, some people, it wasn't born on December 25th, but what we're doing this time of the year is we're celebrating who he is. And sometimes we forget what he's doing, what he came, and he, he sent his son to earth so that we could have life, so that we can follow him. He had his baby born in a stable. And you think about that, what, what that communicates to us, that he was far-reaching. He wanted to reach every. He wanted to reach the lowest of the lows. And so here you have this Jesus being born. And you think about it for just, just taking a step back and go, you know, you think about how holy God is. And sometimes how we just become so irreverent towards him. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the, these guys' response, the wise men's response, and I'm just kind of blown away by their response to him. Because we're not a kneeling people. We're not a very honoring people. We don't honor people that well. And so you think about that, and I, I, I take that, and I, you know, as a crowd this size, you think about everybody in this room, you think about the wise men and their response that they fell down. We're all over the place when it comes to what we think about God, 
I'd like to suggest a couple different things about just this idea of when it comes to thinking about who God is, maybe taking some different looks at him. Maybe the first, the first one is just maybe you kneel in pursuit. In Mark 10, there's an interesting story about a very rich man, and he really had everything, but he finds Jesus. And the story picks up in Mark 10, 17, and it says this, it says he was... He was setting on his, out on his journey, and a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so you have this rich guy, you know, and he, I have to be honest with you, because I, I, as I'm studying for this, I haven't realized all the times in Scripture where it says that people fall down and kneel before. In the Old Testament, we see God, but now we see this guy kneeling down before the good teacher, and he says, What do I need to do to be saved? You know, he's, he's possibly not following, he's following, following the wrong stuff. And he comes to him and he says, what do I got to do? What do I need to do? You know, and I think a lot of times we, we look at this as I could, you might be in that spot where you're not exactly sure if there's a God or if there is a God, maybe how does this fit with other religions or, or possibly what, do, what is this? But you, you see everybody celebrating Jesus and you're like, well, there's got to be something here. And God was so weird about the way he did things and sending of his son that there's got to be something. And so if that's you today, maybe it's time to kneel in, in pursuit. Just say, you know what, I'm going to sit and listen for a little while. Today, before service started, a guy stopped in. He just moved to town and he started talking about it. He said, you know, I just was kind of wild. I was doing some wild things in life. My wife, we were out there. And then one day... God just kind of got us. He says, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use you today in the sermon. <laughs> because that's what he's talking. He, just knew that he finally just stopped. And now he has three kids, and they, he loves, he's served in a church out of state. They just moved to town looking for a church. But you just idea that you stop. And say, so, you know, and, and just, God, you know, if you're really real, let me show yourself to me. Let me see you. I think you're there. I'm not positive, but I could guarantee you if you call out to God, you've got to get ready because the scripture says if you draw near to him, what's it say? He'll draw near to you. And so if you're running and you just kind of, you're like, you know what? I'm not so positive about this God thing, this Jesus thing. Maybe you need to kneel in pursuit. Maybe the second thing here, maybe you need to kneel in repentance. This Maybe you're sitting there, you're like, you know what, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've done, how I've hurt people. I, I just, I, I'm not so sure he could ever accept me. I tell you, every, last week I, we were sitting in the office and this girl came into the office and was talking with one of our secretaries and then when I started talking, they said, you know, I just have hurt so many people. And I keep doing the wrong thing, but I feel God tugging on me. And I think I, I, I think I need to stop. I need to be baptized. I need to just, I feel God pulling me. You know, the, when the weight of sin is so heavy on you, something about that, I know during this time of the year, everything's magnified. The, the good's really good, and the bad's really bad. You know, there's a story about Peter, who's a fisherman in the Bible, and he was, they were fishing all day long. They were fishing and they weren't catching anything, and they were casting their nets and not catching anything. And then Jesus comes along and says to Peter, hey, uh, why don't you cast your nets on the other side of the boat? And you've got to take Peter for a second here. Peter, who is a fisherman, 
um, his experienced fisherman, had been fishing all day, realizes there's no fish, and how big is the boat? I mean, I don't, we don't know how big the boat is, but he's like, what makes you, if you cast this net over here, is there going to be fish over here? Because we know the story, you know, you know that they caught a whole lot, but you can think about Peter in his head going, but you're a carpenter. Maybe you can make the table to eat the fish out, but you're not a fisherman, you don't know. You, can, you sense a spirit. And so finally Peter's like, it goes, okay, I will. And he does it. And then the story goes that they fill, cast the nets on the other side. And there's so many fish that it filled the boat. And then Peter in Luke 5, 8 says, but when Simon Peter saw it, this is all the fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. It is act of repentance that Peter couldn't handle that he didn't trust God. He didn't trust what he said. He had an anxious spirit, and so he was repentant. You know, you might be surprised that you're here today. I've had people say, you know, if I step into the church, the walls will fall down. But, you know, if that's you, it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if God accepts you just as you are. In this particular case with Peter... Peter, when, when Jesus came back to Peter, he says, no longer will you be a fisherman, you'll be a fisher of men. That he, he took him, and Peter, thinking of his lowliness, he says, you know what, I got, I'm going to use you. And so you think about that for a second, you know, maybe you're kneeling in pursuit, maybe you're running from God, maybe it's your, you, you know who God is, but you just need to, to stop and let go. And the Bible teaches when you confess your sins, God is faithful and just, to forgive all your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness. And so maybe it's just say, hey, will you forgive me? Because I can guarantee you when you say that, he will. If you go to him. You know, some may be kneeling in pursuit, some may be kneeling in repentance, and maybe some of you here just need to kneel in submission. You're holding out. <clears throat> Maybe there's some things in your life, you're like, you know what, I know who Jesus is, but I'm just holding on to this one thing. Have you ever wrestled before? You know, you wrestle with people. You, you wrestle, and, you, and then you, like, start twisting their arm. You, like, say uncle, and they won't say uncle. I had a friend that would never say uncle. He would just kill you. You go, you break his arm. It wouldn't submit at all. Maybe you need to tap out. Maybe you need to stop fighting. Maybe there's just that one thing that you're holding on to that you know you love God, you believe in everything, you, you come in and we worship Him, but there's that thing that it's holding you back that you just need to let go of. Jesus in Luke 22, 41 says, it says, and he withdrew from them about the stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You think about that for a second and just stopping and go, you know what, I know, but there's this thing, that this thing I just need to, to let go of. I need to tap out and say, God, you can have it. Not my will, but, but your will. You know, when you think about your relationship with God and you think about this time of the year and you think about Christmas and all that it entails and all the hustle and bustle that goes with it, I encourage you, I want to encourage you this, just to step back and, and to worship Him for who He is. And wherever you're at in your journey, 
maybe you need to stop for a second and go, you know what, maybe I need to listen to a little bit more about who this is. Maybe you just need to let go, repent of something because you've held on too long, or maybe it's just submitting. So you know what, I gotta submit this thing because it's holding me back, and I just need to let go of it. Because we know it's scripture in Philippians. Philippians tells us, Philippians 2, 8 through 11 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the time of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so you know there's going to be that day that it's time to just stop and go, you know what, the Bible says that he's, at some point you're going to confess it. <laughs> Who knows if you're here or not. But at some point, because he's Lord of Lords. You know, we're ending this year, and it's just, we have another week. And just some things to think about as we go into the new year is just, to, maybe it's time to start fresh. Maybe it's time to, to take a look. This next year, we really want to, to encourage you. We're going to challenge you to read through the, the Bible. I know that a lot of us use a Bible app, and we, we read verse of the days, and, and we encourage each other that way. But what we're looking to do is take the, the life journal. We sell these life journals, or you can have it if you don't need it. We also have this piece of paper. But basically, it's reading through the Old and New Testament. What we'd love to do is just be on the same page with each other. And so we're not asking you, like, to, like if you miss six days to catch up with it, it's just, you know, whatever day it is, read that particular day so that when we're hanging out together and around each other's company, that we can share with what we're reading. It's a kind of exciting stuff. I know this last week we were sitting here and a lady came in and said, you know, I just stopped in because God told me to. Like, God told you to? Yeah, I think, I think Carol needed to see me. And she says, yep, Carol looks at me and she goes, yep, she needed to see me. I needed to see her. And then she said that to me. I'm like, you know, a lot of people, when they say God said to do something, we don't believe it, right? Because it's like, what, did he audibly say it to you? But he just felt nudged to go, you know what, I got to go in. And we sat there and we began to share stories. We shared about what God's doing. And it's amazing when we get together because we're so isolated from each other. But when we get to share stories, and what about if we start sharing stories of what we're reading and how it's challenging us? And so this next year, we're going to challenge you either through a Bible app. There's called the Life Journal Bible app. There's, we've got paper that you can have for free. There's journals. But it's starting the new year where we're reading the same thing in the same day. Next year, we also, we want to really ask God who we should be as a church. And we're going to start the second week in uh, January asking everybody to be in a group, a community group for nine weeks. We're going to have two on Sunday morning, one at this hour, one at the 1030 hour. We're going to have one during the week here at 10 o'clock or join one of the groups that already exist and just join us as, as a body, just to search what the Bible has to say. Because you know, forever we've been doing church, and we want to know, if God was to do church today, how would he do church? What would it look like? What would he ask of us? And so we're going to challenge you on that. And so as we look to this next year, um, some things to think about. And so as you celebrate, it's kind of coming. We have two more days till Christmas. It's a step back. And to enjoy what this time of the year is all about. And to think about who, who God is and to kneel before him. And to turn away and realize he's what's right for us. And stop chasing after what's not good for you. Because when you follow what's right, it's amazing what will happen to you. Will you pray with me? 
Father, we thank you so much for your word that gives us life. Thank you for um, your, the story of your son, that as we come to this, to this, this, to this time of the year, it's, it's just magnified, but you're real all year long. And so, Lord, I pray that we would celebrate you for who you are, that you are God, that we would take a cue from the wise men who didn't really even know, didn't, wasn't even really in relationship with you, but they honored you with their life, honored you with their, with their treasures. And so, Father, for us in this new year, Lord, I just pray for us as, as a church that we would chase after you, that we would give you proper honor, and that we would take our eyes off the things that are holding us back. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a communion time, and the communion time is just a reminder, you know, we celebrate the baby.